0: Each atomic particle of your being is suspended in space and it is dancing around other atomic particles at a rapid rate. Becoming lighter is not a matter of being less heavy, but of actually assimilating more light into yourself. Through constant breathing practice and meditation, you draw a more pure, clear white light into your energy system literally lighting up your chakras so breathe light my friends that's page 34 from the five tibetans by christopher killian and i am heath armstrong this is never stop peaking
1: it's depressing like a dimple on your butt your schmuck friends piss their pants. Get up and dance, rocket ship that booty. Take a chance for your freedom. Miggity milk that booby Cause when the fear attacks and tries to crack what you're thinking. Fuck no, you'll never stop peeking.
0: Heidi ho, ladies, gents, boys, girls all things in between, all beautiful magical rainbows of the universe, I welcome you to Never Stop Peeking. I am so happy to be connecting with you right now.
2: Uh, It's gonna be a good program today,
0: because I got on Dave Lent. Uh, And Dave is a master. He's a mentor that I've had uh, for almost eight years now, who came on the original Artsy Now show way back in the day. And his, his wisdom is just like never-ending. Um, he is an author and videographer and director. He has done seven documentary film features. One of them was called Life Without, in which he was allowed to be the first person inside of San Quentin Prison, with a camera, and as he was doing his interview, somebody was stabbed to death right in front of his camera in, in which he had to sort of gather and bail as quickly as possible, obviously, because uh, shit went bananas. Uh, that's a crazy fucking story, and one of the early stories on of him getting into videography and, and directing things. Um, he's always been the type to explore and not always know where he's going, but trust into the leaningness of the mystery of the unknown and see where it takes him. And he's a master interviewer. He's a master with, with what he's trying to dissect in questions and storytelling. And which you know obviously led him to being the videographer behind the Five Keys to Mastery, which is a series of interviews of how ordinary people create extraordinary lives in which they did him and Susan and his wife were conducting interviews with Carlos Santana. B.B. King, Paul Reed Smith, uh, Stephen Tobolowsky, uh, Linus Tarvaldis, I might have said the last name wrong there, but the creator of Linux, lots of Olympic athletes, uh, so many other amazing people. Dave was able to dissect how they found success, how they were able to pin creativity to themselves and, and, and like flourish with abundance and success and, and passion in life. Dave was one of the early people that I saw doing something that it made sense to me he was a big influence as to why I began and continued doing interviews with people to try to bring information to the forefront that can be helpful creatively creatively uh, for you for me for everyone that we know um, Dave's coming on today to talk about reparations it's it's a a really harsh and hard topic that he is exploring for his new documentary that he's working on. A very uncomfortable topic um, for me. And it was a beautiful conversation in helping me understand and see through a lot of these sort of blockages that are in place based on the history of our country, the history of our government, um, how we can interact together in unity how we move from quote unquote, the people made of corn into the people made of honey, a melting together without segregation. Uh, There's nobody else that I would have loved to have, have kind of heard this topic broken down and explored on a creative angle than Dave. Dave means the world to me. Uh, He has done so many things to shift my mindset around what is possible creatively, creatively in life. I'm struggling with that word today. Um, I remember early on, he taught me how to use a vision board correctly, how to use the present tense. If you ever hear me talk about when you're making a vision board and putting like the present tense of mine on it, for instance, I had a van that I put on mine because back in 2015, I had this dream of moving into a van and living in it. So I printed out a picture of a van and I put my van on it and I wanted it to be real. And I thought about it as being real. And over the next six years, I was able to eventually take action to bring that to life. It would have never happened if it wasn't for his techniques with that and so many other things in my life. He's the one that introduced me to Joseph Campbell. Uh, He's the one who I have dissected the five keys of mastery before with, and we will get more into that uh, a little bit later in this episode as well as in a book that I'm working on that's coming out. And it's just, this never-ending stream of gratitude when I think of Dave and all that he represents. I have some good stuff coming out and I'm happy that you've been able to reconnect with me. I was gone for like, fuck, I don't know, six weeks. There was some crazy stuff that happened. I ended up in Ohio uh, with my grandmother for about a month, just being a companion to her as she tried to recover. You know, I was 97 years old going on 98. That was a beautiful reflection for me. and then. Uh, I wandered into the northeast actually was in uh, Maine and uh, 17 or 18 different states with Saatchi and Ashley and we were like it, it was just like this leaning into this exploration this this mystery of the unknown and it was beautiful but I was learning a lot about not you know what is it like to create on the road and and uh, if you go to my Instagram at Heath fist pumps you can check out some of the pictures that I'll be sharing and some of the videos of some really interesting unique you know Lord of the Rings type Hobbit fucking natural environments that are out there uh, Every time I'm out in nature I just it, it's an explosion of creativity and mind and love and um, yeah I've also been going through a 30 day acclimation to a um, a self-applied, frog medicine it's a physical detox a purge called combo uh, as i work into facilitating that and helping bring oh relief to to this really strong connection of mind and body that we have so that was a long process and a lot of the reasons why i wasn't connected and putting out podcasts but i'm here now If you are anywhere around the country of the United States at this moment, or if you're in Mexico, which I'm thinking about coming down there soon, let me know, let's meet up. I'm on the road, I'm going through all the different states, so don't feel shy to reach out. I've got the Sweet Ass Affirmations 2 deck launching very soon on Kickstarter. I think July 13th is the date, so get pumped for that. Uh, The 60 Second Power Affirmations for Your Maniac Creative Mind podcast is launching, I believe, next week, so get ready for that. I have some cool people coming on the show. I'm looking for some others that are involved with uh, people who are changing the world. A few of you have reached out to me in the past and recommended guests, and I wasn't able to bring some of those guests on. If you are listening right now and you know of people, you follow people that are doing like really big things to make a real impact in the world for the best, uh, will you email me, heath at RageCreate.com, uh, make a connection and I will try to get them on the show. If you have questions in particular that you wanna ask them, I will try to ask them those questions. Um, let me know. I'm really, really pumped about it. And, you know, never any spam sperm. Never any spam facials all over your neck and your back area. Um, never any hate. And never any hate from you to other places in the world. Never any hate from other places in the world to you. Just love, right? Just love. Uh, before you ask yourself why somebody hates you, ask yourself why you give a flying fuck. Right? You, you got to realize that hatred and jealousy and aggression they're not you, they're just programs. Uh, Your sexy mind—it's like a—it's like a fucking computer. It's like a computer, and it can be penetrated by big, juicy, viral dogs of, of spam sperm. And these spam sperm—they create lots of hate that drags you down. And all of this hate, it'll get into your body. It'll start crawling around. These little hate sperms will infect your mind. They will make you do crazy things like hump cactuses and shove pineapples up your asshole. But as long as you're avoiding spam sperm uh, and you're avoiding allowing these types of viruses to cloud up your mind with baloney that is not for you and definitely not in alignment with your highest purpose, you'll be doing okay. All right. Your action and, and your role is to disinfect these programs and, and to detox and to create awareness around removing them and not allowing them into your butthole again, not allowing them into your bloodstream again. Set yourself free from the monstrosity of a pineapple dripping from your rectum. Because when the clutter is removed, you make space for magic. Isn't that right? And magic in your process is much better than spam sperm sticking up your keyboard and your processor. So attack, baby, attack. If you see hate coming on from any direction, attack.
2: Love yourself.
0: I don't even know why we were talking about hate because today's episode is so much love. I'm gonna bring on Dave right now. I'm gonna cut right into it. I'm gonna hit some jams. Um, Yeah. Check it out, RageCreate.com for the RageCreate store. A new site is up this week. If it's not up when you go, it will be when you listen within a week. Yeah, uh uh-huh. We got some new cool gear. Yep, uh uh-huh. We got a lot of goodies. We got a couple of giveaways that are gonna be running soon. And yeah, check out that new podcast, 60 Second Power Affirmations for your creative maniac mind. And... Uh, sweetest Affirmations 2 launching at ragecreate.com slash Kickstarter July 13th. Let's get notified. I also have a booster affiliate system that's going to be set up for that. If you are interested in sharing it with your family and friends and you want to make a little cash back, 11% per se, and some of these tiers actually go up to around $70, $100, um, base tiers even lower, but. Uh, Just by sharing your link, you can make money back. So if you're working to be location independent, if you need some side money or a side hustle, hit me up, heathatragecreate.com. I'll set you up with a link. um, And you can help us share the Kickstarter, help us raise enough money to print these decks so that we can get them out into the world so that we can all take greasy, juicy, scandalous deck picks and share them with everyone. Yeah, everyone needs some deck picks. All right, that's it. Love you very much. Don't let the spam sperm attack your brain. This is me and Dave Lent. Uh, Dave at Co.com. If you have questions for him throughout the interview, I'm so sorry, that was wrong. Dave and co at gmail.com. If you have questions for him, all the links in the show notes, heatharmstrom.com forward slash podcast. And if you just click down on your sexy little podcasting app you can get these links i will link you to his documentaries as well if you want to check some of them out but listen up this is about reparations it changed my entire knowledge and point of view on this topic um and it's important it's really fucking important so love you catch you on the flip (laughs) side let me start the very
2: beginning
3: Yeah, what have I been thinking about?
0: How have you been? Uh, yeah, what have you been thinking about
3: reparations for descendants of, of former slaves almost all the time? I, I can see now it's going to be a PTSD thing for me soon because the stuff I have to read to research and uh, prepare to produce a documentary is. is not happy stuff. It's terrible stuff sometimes. Um, But one of my mantras is (laughs) a quote from um, Nietzsche, go joyfully into the horrors of the world.
0: (laughs) That's a dark space. And when I saw you mention that in the email via my assistant, I'm actually really curious because there's nobody, it's always an uncomfortable space for Any like to explore anything of the unknown and the mystery. I think that's a lot of of the chaos in the the world is this uncomfortable aspect of like having the conversations. And I was like, there's nobody that I would love to like hear talk about that more than Dave. Um,
3: You know, I was- As a cameraman, when I'm working with a producer from hell or a reporter from hell or a client from hell, I I make up my mind that no matter what's going to go around going around me, I'm going to have a good time today on the shoot. And that's the way I have to approach this reparations documentary is no matter what I have to wade through to make sense out of this project and how to tell this story, I'm going to enjoy myself doing it. I'm going to surround myself with a team of incredible people that I love being with. Um, We're going to look hopefully at the positive side, which is think about what we can do for our country by closing the the racial wealth gap. And suddenly we have equality for everyone. We have equal access to capital, equal access to doctors and hospitals and educational opportunities. We can do an amazing thing for this country.
0: You know, remember when we met up to eat lunch and it was like the coolest thing being able to meet you in person after there, there's probably not somebody who I talk about that. Like you, you had so many different things that you drastically impacted my life with early on. And I was able to like take those ideas and, and, you know, go with them, whether it be the five keys of mastery or your ideas around looking at the positive side of like a money hustle. Uh, you specifically said to me, like, you have it wrong. I was complaining about like my job or whatever you said quote unquote, I'm pretty sure you have it wrong, man. You should be insanely thankful for your current situation with your money hustle. It's the reason we are having this conversation today. And it's the anchor for the wonderful things that you will accomplish in the future, which are all results of today. And like that thought of the, the the future as a result of today plays into the reparations thing. It plays into all of the projects that you've been a part of. But I remember specifically when we were sitting there, do you, do you remember, uh, Like there was a man who, uh, a a, a houseless man, I believe, who was struggling on the street and he had taken his pants down and he was, he was uh, defecating like outside. And my natural reaction was like, oh, like there's an empathy to that. There was a, uh, like a shock value to it. but you were so calm and steady. And you said, you know, that's somebody's child. And think of the story behind that. Like, and I think of the talents that this person has and the magic that this this person has. And it sent me into like years of deep thought about everything that I look at and like the history of how it came about and like why do we view things in a certain way. And like how can you creatively approach it to be able to tell bit better stories and like using empathy and, and diving deep into these like traumatic things that are problems within our society that stem, you know, deeply from from Years and years ago, uh, I'm I'm excited to, to explore this with you, and I've I've got um, I gotta say, Dave, like we can start wherever you want, uh, or I can kind of navigate a little bit if you want to as well. But there's a lot of things I shared about you in the pre-roll of this episode, which I'm excited about, and I also would love to get into some videography stuff with you too, because ever since I met you, I uh, I've had this like lingering it was like, I was writing and I love writing. And then I was developing like audio skills and like being able to share things with storytelling through, through the mic. But now I'm like, Oh, I think I'm just becoming like this fractal of what Dave's imagination was like when he wanted to get into videography. So. it's Dave, cool.
3: I I know that I would not have said you were wrong because I, from the minute I, mo- I met you, I knew you were, you were miles ahead of me. Like, no, know, I don't, remember?
2: I don't know. <laughs>
3: but, but, no we, we were on different plateaus not one higher than the other but different plateaus. right right we were at different points along our path but i never would have thought even thought that you were wrong about anything just uh i was just giving you my angle of view of that person for instance uh,
0: yeah it was a it was a it was a very beautiful leaf for me to turn over though even if it wasn't that exact wording it was in my head i remember like oh i'm approaching this in the in a way that could be more positive or, um, more fruitful or abundant. And that's, that was magic for me.
3: And having a daughter who's now in her thirties, uh, growing up with a daughter, uh, I learned, God, if I only would have known, um, what I know now, uh, when I was dating girls, <laughs> I treated every woman I met, like I treat my daughter. With that kind of respect, God, that's something I wish I would have known.
0: I, I love uh, following her as well. Diamond Diamond Worlds is that her handle? She's so, always dancing yeah. and doing creative. When
3: things. she was three, she she told us about the place that she had come from called Diamond World.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that is awesome.
3: She was a true believer, and I'm still as I, I believe her.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah for sure. <laughs> that's cool that it's that old like three years old we are as children we don't have all these layers stacked upon us yet and it's like this
3: you know preparing branding. you kind of uh, got me going here when you invited me to be on this podcast so i went to your website and looked around a little bit and, and and realized how important it is uh what you're doing uh there is so much information new information coming at us all of us all the time that the things that you do are important reminders to people um, of what gets pushed back it, to make room for the new information. So you're there to remind people about the potential they have, the power they have, uh, the, uh, the paths that they could take, the, th- the ways to think about things, yeah. So I really appreciate Great. Oh, thanks, Dave. i in there for the rest of us. And, and oh, just navigating too, the mystery. What inspired you to get on the path? That you're
0: on? Yeah, honestly, I, I thought that must
3: have your path probably has been changing like, like all of ours, but the path that you're on now, what was there a person or a moment? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, there was some rock bottom moments, extreme alcoholism for many years and a lot of moments where I almost died. I mean, I woke up face down in my garage with my pants pulled down and then my nose is bleeding all over a step. And I had a bottle of empty whiskey in my hand and my car was running in the front yard, parked in the middle of the yard. And, uh, it was like, I'm, there's all these things that I had dreamed about and I didn't understand how to remove the space in between and to understand that all those like started internally. And then basically there was a woman, I was, I was like, if I don't make changes, I'm going to die. And I didn't know how to do that, but eventually that led to me like finding, magical people doing incredible things like you asking you questions and then trying to apply the answers to my life and see how they could fit on me and how they could work with me and how I could, you know, mold them to be my own. And then therefore like expand myself internally so I could help others do the same thing. And, and collectively we could make some real progress, but um, yeah, it was people like you, Dave, it was the first woman that really made an impact. Her name was Amber Ludwig and I reached out to her for help and I didn't think she would respond. I didn't know her. I didn't, you know, I was like the imposter syndrome, but you know, she replied to the message and she said, can I call you? And I didn't say anything crazy. The message was Just like thanking her for the inspiration. And uh, for some reason she had this intuition to call me and she called me and she just called me on all my bullshit. She called me on the phone and she asked me like what I wanted to do and who I was. And I just started making excuses and it, that's okay to be in that place where you make excuses. It's totally fine. And she, she just called me on the bullshit and helped me reframe the way I was looking at things. And then that led to her introducing me to a few people. And one of them taught me how to like do podcasts, which led to me meeting you, you know, and it's like, you never know. I could have, I was working in a, a factory for $13 an hour, um, building concrete receptacles that carried human feces underground. And I could have never seen any of this stuff on top of the Lotus flower that I've been able to interact and play with these last, you know, 10 years. And and really just since 2015 was when I made a huge, my huge kind of leap away from my job and start working for myself and stuff. Um, But it's been beautiful. And that that was the trigger. It was something so small. It was like, it only takes one person or one door to go through uh, before your path can completely change down this passionate lane that you never even knew existed. Uh, maybe you did subconsciously, but you know, maybe you did in diamond worlds, but when you got here, you kind of forgot you have to, you find your way back there.
3: Yeah. Just one moment, one person, that's what it was for me. And I must've been so much like you. Uh, I was in my early twenties and I had, I was at war with the world and with myself at that time. I just, uh, didn't know where I fit in the world and was angry a lot, Yeah. Uh, searching. My parents uh, gave me a one-way ticket to Europe, thinking that if I got out of the country, that it would help me. Um, And so it wasn't long after I was in Europe, it was 1967, I think, I was living on a a boat. It was like a, a ferry boat that had become a youth hostel in Copenhagen Harbor. Oh, one of my friends from California, he came to me and said, Dave, he's had a paperback book in his hand. And he said, Dave, I think you're gonna like this. He'd gotten to know me well. And I opened it up. It was called The Medium is the Massage by Marshall McLuhan. I opened it up to the inside cover. And as soon as I saw the image on the inside cover, and right now I'm getting goosebumps telling you about this because I remember how it felt. Yeah. It had my breath taken away by an image which represented to me that I was not alone anymore. Not that this genius who wrote the book, Marshall McLuhan was like me, but because he had opened a door with this book and I knew that I was gonna be in love with whatever it was he was writing about for the rest of my life. It led me to video too. Uh, And yeah, that one moment of this friend handing me this book, uh, saved my
0: life. I remember you sharing that story years ago when I first talked to you and also
3: age, we forget that, you know, all my stories.
0: <laughs> I don't know all of them. I don't know. I no way, but I remember the ones that had mass impact because I remember like there was a one book that, that Jared, this guy on a plane in 2009 sent me that changed everything for me. It was called no more Mondays. It was like this idea that you didn't have to work a traditional job. Um, just a simple message that opened a door for me that I didn't really figure out how to utilize till five or six years later. But you also introduced me, like, I feel so naive and crazy saying this, but like you introduced me to Joseph Campbell. I don't know how I hadn't like come across that yet, but uh, McLuhan it's like, you know, Jung and yeah. yeah, McLuhan to Campbell for you. And then you were talking about Jung and, and like all of that has just blown open my mind of this hero's journey and this exploration and, uh, you know, hero with a thousand faces. And I've traveled all over the world since the, I originally talked to you on that podcast. And I've sat with all these different indigenous cultures and, and sat and I love studying under Mayan, like ceremonies and Mayan fire ceremonies and learning how to live with the land. And, and there's an amazing teacher, Tata Eric, who I study under. And, uh, you know, he always says, pray, we don't pray for rain, we pray rain. So we remove this space. There is no space. And that triggers back to all the stuff that you were saying. You know, it's like, there, there is no there is no in between. It's like, you are this. We are all one thing here, breathing. And like, we have to remember that. They, the, you'll love this too. There's a there's a, a big kind of like 5,000 year periods that move in and out of in sort of like the Mayan Oracle space. But right now is a transition where we're moving out of a phase called the people made of corn, and this will roll into the good reparations. You said, "People made of corn" is is, is a, a big block of time where you have f- separation. It's black, it's white, it's red, it is yellow. That's what the colors of corn and all of the colors in the entirety of um, the Mayan in the calendar and like all of the stuff that they that they utilize to to kind of move forward in life. But now we're moving into a period called the people made of honey and there's like this weird thing happening now is like is it going to stick and can we all melt together and remove this this divide that has been there for so long i mean it's been there way longer than the history of this country many 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 you know thousands of years there have been separation and and just genocides and all these harsh things that i have never personally had to sit in and deal with but I can feel some of that. you know. I can feel it when I'm in situations or having conversations. Uh, a lot of people have been in the middle of it and it's a big thing. And uh, as I was talking about the people made of honey, I was with my friend Holly playing in this waterfall and I was like, I think it's gonna be really important for me to like kind of navigate this story and help Tata bring it into some sort of form of like video or storytelling that's better um, so that more people can understand it. And I saw this purple label like gleaming underwater stuck under this log while we were standing in this waterfall. And I was like, what is that? And I thought it was trash. We were getting ready to leave. So I walked over to try to pick the trash up. I pull, put my hand down there to grab it. It's a jar of blackberry honey, completely full under this log in the waterfall. And I was just like, "Wow!" like a door opened there. It was like a confirmation sign. It was wild.
3: So the, you, you call it people of, what of corn?
0: Uh, it was the people made of corn and yeah. we're transitioning into the people made of honey.
3: So the people made of corn had been, they, 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 their identity was racially based.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So when I when I got into McLuhan, read everything he wrote and listened to every speech he'd made and studied I would walk around college with a book in my hand just trying to figure out what that sentence meant uh, eventually i realized that i had something to offer for the first time in my life besides being a football player in high school I, for the first time in my life i had something worthy to offer people and that was a a, a a way to look not at the content of media but at the environments that media create so that um, Uh, Because uh, for now, in our time right now, uh, we are not, I believe, physically, spiritually, intellectually, emotionally prepared for the environments spawned by the clever technology.
0: (laughs) I think you're right about that.
3: And so looking behind me, looking within media, not at the content of media, but the environment that, environments that media create are the ways that we can learn to live in this new skin of ours, this new technological skin, which has made us all so jumpy, you
2: know? Um,
0: Yeah. It's so fast too. It's like, it it seems like it's coming more and more at warp speed.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I, the reason I'm doing this documentary about reparations is that well, sometimes I wonder why did it take me so long. Like I've always thought of myself as kind of slow on the uptake, but you know, I'm seventy. This is ridiculous for me to, to take this long to come around to realizing what my country has been doing to much of its population
0: like how yeah Dave could you start by sort of uh and you can finish what you're about to say but I was getting into the beginning of this could you sort of explain a general overview of what reparations are for those who are not quite familiar
3: Yeah, reparations are a, a way to make amends um not, it's not really payback because we we cannot even know what the cost of slavery yeah. uh, has been on uh, many generations of people over the last four or five hundred years. Reparations are a way of saying we're sorry, our, a way of our government saying I'm sorry for what has happened, in here and and what i want to do as my the, our federal government is we want to close the the wealth gap that has that was started with slavery and continued by the homestead act, jim crow laws, redlining, institutionalized racism, like prison's police behavior, you name it. This gap uh, by figuring out how much money has been taken from Descendants of former slaves, we can make, we, we can not fix everything, but we can go a long way towards fixing the damage that's been done by closing that wealth gap.
0: Right, because essentially the American economy in itself was built off the back of enslaved people. And so even if families didn't own slaves, everyone is living in a world that was built off of this thing that happened. And we all in some ways uh, are tied to it in the benefits and the, um, not just the benefits, but the opposite, right? The the harshness of it.
3: Um, there, there are people that- it's so
0: big to try to think about uh,
3: How much money uh, white Americans have profited from slavery. And this estimate starts at a trillion dollars. That's how much money uh, white people have profited. And it goes much beyond one trillion dollars. Yeah. So Imagine, you know, a slave is working, say, as it's, let's say, 16 or 1800, working as a blacksmith and not making any money for his labor. Imagine how much money he would be making if he would have been a white, blacksmith. So take that money and then add the interest uh, and convert it into $2,021. How much money did he make in his lifetime? Would he have made in his lifetime and pass down a certain part of that to uh, eight generations of family members? How much money, how much would that, that wealth be worth today. And the compounding effect
0: of that. Oh yeah, go ahead.
3: um, The uh, Homestead Act was designed to uh, uh, help uh, the the victims of slavery uh, with 160 acres of land to settle the West. Um, But it was mostly white people that got the land uh, one family had eight children. They got a piece of land, 160 acres in the panhandle of Texas. And they divided the land into eight parts, this family, and each of the children were able to uh, uh, prosper with their parcels of land. Several years after it was given to them, uh, natural gas was discovered along this land. And all of the children became multimillionaires. Uh, this is the way that white wealth was created, uh, and this is the way black wealth was denied and taken. Uh, General Sherman, uh, Northern General, uh, came up with the idea of forty acres and a meal for former slaves, and this was supported by President uh, Lincoln. Yeah,
0: totally But true. the next
3: president um, killed it, so it never happened. That would have Ooh, was been that An- Andrew Johnson.
0: Pardon. Andrew Johnson, was he the vice yeah, that came in? and
3: I believe so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so you, that, that, that's, that's crazy because the,
0: the memory of people, a lot of people, and even myself before going in and like reading more and like educating it a little bit about it's like, we think that that actually happened. Like there was reparations back then. I hear people all the time in this subject say, oh, but there were reparations paid. And the truth is it was canceled and like it never happened.
3: Yeah, yeah. And it was a great idea and it would have, it might have fixed the problem. Yeah, and the Homestead Act might have fixed the problem. There were many junctures along the way, several junctures where we could have taken the right turn, and and not had a racial wealth gap. But aside from a huge racial wealth gap, and the payment, there are a lot of formulas for reparations. But the most popular one, one of the ones that are probably the best thought out, would would give a payment, a one-time payment of six to eight hundred thousand dollars per descendant of former slaves. We would have to have two methods of proving that they were, they either identified as a black person um, for the last 10 years, or they can prove that their, one of their grandparents or great-grandparents were a slave. Anyway, so that's the payment. Um, uh, but think of, think of other things that have happened to Black Americans because of the poverty that's been created uh, through the racial wealth gap and the discrimination and the redlining, et cetera. For instance, there's a woman uh, who used to work for the CDC who did a study of of, uh, 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 resting heart rate in people. And she discovered that a a Black man's sleeping heart rate is the same as a white man's workday daytime heart rate. Wow. So a black man cannot even sleep with a resting heart rate uh, that he should have. Um, that's how much stress is. That's a way to think about the stress of being a black man in America.
0: How are you, how are you navigating this documentary and what are you, are you telling a story of reparations? Obviously there's a mission to try to uh, bring it, like bring some sort of resolution to it. But what's your, I guess, when did you, when did this light up for you? And what's your approach with this? Like, I know you've been doing research. When started
3: was, uh, My daughter and a couple of her friends did this Zoom, regular weekly Zoom meeting on whiteness. And at first I was resistant. I never, I don't think of myself as white. Yeah, I, I didn't, <laughs> I, I resisted it, but I I attended it and I learned from it and I became inspired, and um, bought a book called From Here to Equality, uh, by uh, two people in North Carolina, uh, Kirsten Mullen and Sandy Darity, and uh, this took me through um, um, African American history in this country at least the, the stopping points along the way that, that uh, relate to the need for reparations. Uh, and it also uh, showed me what reparations formulas had been made and how they came up with these formulas. Uh, and it got me thinking that, uh, and, and then it led me to starting watching. to to watch youtube videos of all the people that are having this conversation and leading the conversation about reparations Uh, listening to these people i realized that if i interviewed each of these people uh, and asked them to tell me their story reparations from where they sit and uh, how they feel about it and think about it uh, that i could uh, do something like i did with the five keys which was Imagine us sitting around a fire at night with 30 people around us, saying incredible things about American history. Uh, and so, me as a filmmaker, I put this. I, I, it's like I I score it like a piece of music. I choreograph this conversation so that people that are closed to this subject might open up a little bit and be willing to listen to something. Because I think that that I I know, I think I know why people are closed to the demands for reparations, like them being presented by Black people as demands. If you don't know much about African-American history or slavery or Jim Crow laws, uh, if you don't know much about this, um, You're not going to be open to people making demands, but if you know much about African-American history, you'll appreciate, understand, accept, and embrace this idea that it's got to be demanded. This is the only way it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to use
0: story to to sort of bust open that, that blockage that so many are having.
3: It's going to be a conversation between know how many people 30 people at least maybe 50 people might be people that i meet on the street it will be the thought leaders the movement leaders of the reparations movement but it'll be people that have something either informative passionate insightful to say about the need for reparations and what this country can become if we do this Um, Black people will certainly say why we won't wait anymore. And some people will say why why we why white people better not wait anymore. I've, I've heard people say, leaders in this movement, that if, if we don't provide reparations now, they're gonna take them. They won't take them from Washington, DC. They'll take them from Atlanta, Detroit, yeah. Oakland. Property land nation.
2: Oh so it's an important this is a this is a path
3: like I'm gonna be part of the conversation, yeah. But what I want to do is I think I, I have a unique set of skills that can can organize this conversation in a way visually audio with animation history, that will make it uh, something fun to watch, fun to learn about, um, exciting, exciting at the prospect of, you know, this country can be not just, we've never been a good country. We can be a good country. Yeah. I forget about great. We can be a good country.
0: Yeah, cause it's, well, it's really beautiful. little people that have a positive outlook on where this country is going. And like, that's an extremely important cause if collectively we're all thinking it's going down, you know, then everyone's sort of like avoiding it or not taking action to make it better. And that's true. Like making, it's kind of, you know with affirmation cards and stuff, I try to make it fun so that people that are close to it will open up. Uh, this is the same principle but on a much like more important, large level. I'm ex- I mean, I'm excited to see how you navigate it.
3: Yeah, and and right at this moment, I'm still you asked me how I was gonna do this. I don't know how I'm gonna do it. I one of the things I would love to do is 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 replicate a thing that Walter Cronkite, the the great CBS news reporter and anchor, uh did. He did a show in the 60s called You Are There. I would like to take a camera to a family of slaves in 1860. And I would like to ask them to talk about who they are, where they came from, what they're doing uh, right now, what they're thinking about. Who lives in that big house on the hill next door to them? You know, be there. Uh, Go back in a time travel uh, segment in this documentary. Go back to visit a family of slaves. Um, So we get actors for this. Really good actors. And then we go back to like the Tulsa uh, massacre. Go back to all these places. We time travel several times, like six or eight times, to go back to relive uh, and hear from people who were going through this at that moment. Um, I had and this, breather, and then breathers along the way, like the music of each of the the music from each of these moments. These you know, singular.
0: Do
1: you get into in history. virtual
0: reality at all? I mean, like,
3: no, but I'm open to it. You got an idea for me?
0: Well, I was just thinking because, like, I work with a school in Africa, and I've seen like the approach of of trying to tell the story to be able to then you know raise money to support and sponsor children and teachers and and help the school grow and help educations actually expand so that then you know there can be an economy that gets built around that, that there's, there's hope, there's hope for the young kids that, that grow up and study. And, um, I've often thought like there's a little documentary that has been shot at this school that I work with and it's powerful, just the stories that are sharing. But if you took a virtual reality set and you actually did a day in the life of one of these children, you know, waking up where they live and, and like going through the process of what they live like, like I've been there and I've seen it and I've sat with them in their homes. And so therefore I have a memory of it, but with virtual reality, people that would never travel there and would never ever have an emotional experience to be able to have the memory of what it was like to be with them. They can now be there because it's filmed in a way to where you put the set on and you're with this little girl as she's walking three miles down this hill to get a bucket of water because they don't have a well, right? You're with her in her school. Uh, taking her classes on on the mud wall with the chalk and seeing her parents and what they're doing all day to you know weave baskets or whatever to raise money just so they can get an eggplant to feed the family once every two days and like those emotional triggers are way more likely to to make people feel what it's like or to have empathy and i'm just curious if it's if it's an angle that could be explored for for reparations too in a way even if you had to do it with acting and
3: when you say virtual reality. Are you talking about having to wear a, wear. A, I, I I mean a special. Idea? Yeah, it's
0: it's filmed with special cameras, so it's like three Like you, I've done them before, where it, like I, I there was a charity that actually filmed one, and that's where I like I originally was like, oh, this is incredible because I felt like I was in this. So it was um, charity water. Did it? They they drill wells. They drill wells in places that have never had clean water, and there's this video that I sat through with them. And I'm, you know, I'm in Oregon, but I've got this headset on and I've got the sensors on or whatever. And I'm in the middle of this village standing the real footage that they actually film when they drilled the well for the first time, except you're just transported in the middle of it. And seeing these people actually get clean water for the very first time ever, as it shoots out of the ground and they're all celebrating, I felt, what it was like to be with them and be a part of that. And that's something I would've never been able to do before. And it made me emotionally involved and it broke down some of that space and the, the, the naiveness and like the, the shit that we, that I've been ignoring my whole life or trying to pretend like doesn't exist. And it was just like, oh my God, like it, you cry and you have these sentimental like feelings of, of like, we're the same, we're together. Like, holy fuck, this is powerful. And so, yeah, it's it's a. It I want you on this team.
3: That. I want you on this production team.
0: <laughs> well, it's just I've got ideas, Dave. I don't know if I have skill sets that can help. But that's that's no, it. You know, it's like you know, um, I want
3: to collect all the skill sets that you need. But ideas are definitely a skill set. You know, people with ideas know how to express them, and, and yeah, I like that. I like that.
0: Yeah, we just I think it would be very cool to like have a a VR experience of like what it's like. Even you know, you film it with the actors your vision of what you're talking about, but you do it with you could do it with VR cameras and have people actually be there with them. Because you know what else it triggered for me was when I was younger, I I grew up in Ohio, and there was never any like I I had all these friends of all different colors, and like there was never even like conversations about. I never felt conflict between races or anything, but then I moved to Tennessee and it was a completely different world. It was like the, all the names were there. All the slandering was there. There was clear separation. And I remember being in Ohio and I think it was fifth or sixth grade. I went off to this camp. This was a school funded camp and it was called camp joy. And they did this entire reenactment of the underground railroad. And like, I remember that we had to, we were basically, and we were, acting the part of slaves being auctioned off you know all the kids of all the different colors and they were they were like auctioning us off and then we went to these different slave owners and then like we were on these plantation you know this is all acting but it like it felt kind of real as a child being I felt like I was learning I'm a visual learner I was like wow this is kind of scary and then there was like the they were they were really like you know being harsh And then there was like the Underground Railroad part where someone came in and was like trying to rescue us. And then we were on the run, you know, hiding under houses. And like, they would come looking for us with dogs that were barking and it was scary. And like, even though that was all just an educational experience, it kind of, in my memory, it's the same as the VR thing that I did. You know, I remember them the same. One of them I really had, the other one was on a VR system, but I remember them like I was at both of them. So it's, it's wild. Maybe,
3: maybe listening to you, I'm thinking maybe this shouldn't be a documentary, or maybe it should be a documentary and an opera.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh, man, opera. That'd be wow. Just like
3: when you're talking, I'm, I'm, I'm watching this as a yeah, watching an opera on stage. Uh, and the music, man, would it be a powerful opera. for people that don't usually love opera, you
0: know? You know, the uh, the fifth element, you know, that opera scene. Have you seen that movie? It's an older movie, but it, yeah, there's this opera scene that it, it's insane. It's like this alien creature is singing opera, but it's actually a real woman. She was like, just in costume, but it's like the most moving, like 15 minute scene. Cause there's all these crazy chaotic things happening. Um, opera that just opera triggers.
3: Uh, you know, though I've made a documentary in the Balkans. Um, <clears throat> I thought I was going to go there just to cover the Kosovo war, but I ended up realizing being in Macedonia where the, which was being like hammered by 300,000 refugees. This is Europe's poorest country, 300 refugees in a matter of like three weeks. Uh, like half the population of the country, the population of the country was doubled in like three weeks. And I realized that I was in a place, in a country, that was going to go to war. And that I was seeing uh, the emotional, I was on the ground observing the emotional changes of a people um, on their way to war. And so I made a documentary about how a country goes to war. How,
0: how have I not seen this?
3: Uh, it was. It was. I got into uh, two film festivals, and then I went on to. I dropped it. Dropped the project, and went on to the to make the Five Keys.
0: What was the Balkans so, one called?
3: It's called Hotel Macedonia.
0: Is it up anywhere?
3: No, it's not. Oh, um, I kind
0: of want to watch it, it, Dave.
3: I know it's. It's my best work ever.
0: It's wow. my
2: best work. Why, why is it? it why is this block. not up?
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm. I've got it on my list this year to remaster it. But anyway, when I, when I got back, uh, I saw it as an opera. Here was uh, a country um, that was, um, its heart was breaking. And half of its heart was Serbians, and the other was Albanians, um, uh, uh, Orthodox Christians and Muslims. Its heart was breaking. That's what was going on with this country. It was all emotional. Um, And an opera would be the way, you know, with the music uh, to tell that story. Maybe I should do it. Maybe I should do it. It It was such an opera in my mind.
0: You need to get your Airstream off the vision board. Get out there. Focus down, Dave.
3: I've never been a fan of opera. But once you have a subject like that, you see, as an event, then you can understand how people can be fans of that medium.
0: Are you? Do you know who Alejandro Jodorowsky is? He, he Dave. There's this documentary. I just like it, it's a, It's called Jodorowsky's Dune. This documentary. I feel like when I watched it, all I could think about was like your type of creativity. This guy's just like a, he's a brilliant filmmaker. He's done a lot of different crazy kind of cult films. One of them, uh, one of his more famous ones was called The Holy Mountain. But he was going to make a film, Dune, based off the book many years ago before Star Wars even come out. came out. And it's like the documentary is about how it never got made. And it's wild. And um, I don't know, like his way of putting it, the way he expresses music with, with film and like, it's just like this, Blah, 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 like I don't know, you remind me. kind of remind me.
3: You'll see it, I wrote it down.
0: I'll send you a link to it, maybe too, if you.
3: Thanks. Yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah. what? Let's go back to the your project. What? So I know you're you're sort of uh, fizzling in in the process of what how to get these interviews started. Do you have? i imagine you've probably got an idea of, of where to start with that you said you mentioned like maybe getting 30 or 50 people in conversation yeah.
3: um these uh, this will be the the authors of this book will be my first two interviews
0: um i'll link that book that's the one you mentioned earlier right from uh, here uh, from here to equality
3: Kristen mullen and sandy darity so per- sandy is a uh, i think he's the chair of the School of Economics at Duke University. Uh, She was on the team that uh, designed the African-American Museum in Washington. Mm -hmm. Um, Amazing people. And their their book is about reparations, about why why it's important. It's crucial to close the uh, racial wealth gap.
0: well, do you have any? Do you remember any key points that you pulled out of that book? <laughs> <laughs>
3: It's you know I'm overwhelmed by I'm I'm, I'm overwhelmed by the subject. Um, I've been watching so much, so many talks on YouTube, given by uh, people about reparations. That I, when I think of like what did I get from Sandy and Kirsten, <clears throat> I think the most important thing I got from their book was that uh, we should not feel guilt or blame other people for this situation that we're in. Um, the, the responsible party is the federal government. Mm. Um, it, is, it is the laws that were passed uh, or not passed <clears throat> by the federal government that created the environments that led to institutionalized structural racism, uh, uh, Yeah, the Civil War, uh, you name it. Um, slavery um that that a lot of us were part of it and it's important for people who had families that were that profited from uh, slavery which is about 60 percent of southern white families in some some way were involved or profited from it but to not to not blame um, this is something positive that, that we can do together, and it's going to require all of us to do this together, uh, that, that we can create um, just uh, society uh, with equal access to, uh, equal access for everyone, to everything. And uh, the money is there. We, we saw last year how our federal government is able to come up with trillions of dollars and move it real fast so when you know the bill for reparations might be around uh, 10 to 10 to 13 trillion dollars we know that that money can be produced and distributed yes a, a payment of eight hundred thousand dollars per person per black person is going to cause uh, big time inflation so it would be reasonable to expect people to get the payments spread out over 10 years something like that um to prevent the inflation from happening because yeah. it's going to be a big impact on the economy
0: have there ever been reparations paid at all for i know that
3: governments paid reparations to uh, uh survivors of
0: the Holocaust. Holocaust. And then fact. I know, I think we, I think in this country, if I remember, we might have paid reparations for uh, the enslaved Japanese Americans yes, in World did. War II. We but did. have there ever been reparations for African American
3: no. or Black? No. And, and different states are That's doing. fucking things. madness. Different states are doing, uh, are, are creating initiatives. <clears throat> Uh, that they are calling reparations. But uh, the, uh, Sandy Darity and Kristin Mullen uh, make uh, uh, emphasize that this is not reparations. Mm. Reparations can only be done on a national level. It is that expensive. It would take the budgets, the complete budgets of every state in the country uh, doing nothing else but, but paying for reparations to be able to afford reparations for black people. Uh, every descendant of
0: how how do we even begin to get these the government I think it has to be power of people like putting pressure right to be able to influence government to do this because it seems like I mean from my perspective and opinion at least the government is a very um I, I don't even know what to say. I was just like, I don't have yeah, a lot of faith that, in it. <laughs> and, and
3: the population. Or trust. <clears> period. Know, we know what's wrong with the general yeah. population. Yeah. When sixty-seven percent of them voted for
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. Uh, so,
3: and, you know, only I think eight, eight to 10% of Germans initially supported reparations to Jews. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it was not popular at all, and it won't be popular here among the general population. So what happened in Germany was the the, uh, uh, the civic and and uh, civic leaders and leaders of that movement and thought leaders and influencers were the people that got it done. And I think that's maybe the way it has to happen here, is leaders. And when I think of this documentary I want to make. Um, And I think of the target audience. The very first target audience that comes to mind is leaders. People who are influencers.
0: Have audiences. Yeah, yeah. And well, today's world, there's so many, like... And and what I want to give them
3: is sound bites from these people that are interviewed. Sound bites that they remember and pass along to people that they know on the way out and talk about on the way out of the theater. Sound bites that they remember and want to share with other people.
2: Is that Susan, like the
3: heartbeat? heartbeat, like the heartbeat of a black man.
2: Mm-hmm. The
3: resting heartbeat of a black man is the same as an active heartbeat of a white man. Oh, so, which is
0: a faster heartbeat, less you know, less years of life generally, right? So it's a huge deal.
3: Yeah, yeah, hypertension heart disease strokes yeah um, it's like another thing I got from from here to Equality is just just how unfair uh, is the um, distribution of wealth and privilege in this country yeah. um, and, and that goes not just for black people and people of color but women
1: yeah um,
3: uh, and what? and you know why is why now why is this conversation and this movement like developing momentum now? Um, I think that there, there's been a convergence like of COVID, uh, uh, a spiritual you know like, like the Great Depression in the '29, mm-hmm. uh, spiritual depression uh, over the last four years, right? Um, something like that. And um, technology, like Zoom, the convergence of these things that have made us all realize how vulnerable we all are and how connected at the same time that we all are. And we we are losing patience for this unfairness. uh,
0: What's something that we can all do, like, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: on a daily basis or... You know, even like for myself, I'm sitting here like talking to you and like you, you make a comment about um, joining the creative team for this project. And like that excites me and all of that. But on a daily basis, you know, I, I'm doing what I can to just be open and sharing and stuff. But like, is there something like.
1: Every day I go into that we and, can I,
3: and I uh, might uh, type in reparations and I want to hear different uh Uh, somebody different, talking about it from a a unique perspective. Um, Either the authors of a book or somebody who is um, um, like, uh, uh, (laughs) I'll recommend that you Google uh, Greg Carr, who is head of, chair of African American, Afro-American studies at Howard University. Greg is one of the thought leaders of the reparations movement. Uh, He is also uh, a, a, an extraordinarily powerful influencer. Um,
0: Did you say car? C-A-R-R? C-A-R-R.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, he is. He is. He is on the edge. He is not the lunatic fringe, but he is the other fringe. He is the. Uh, <laughs> he is a powerful thinker very powerful thinker and needs to be listened to yeah.
0: for everyone listening you talk bit scary
3: it's a little scary too good scary but scary
0: well that you you need that mm-hmm. right to get people to listen
3: if you want to know or what the or else side says listen to him we <sighs> <You> don't
0: <laughs> oh man
3: <laughs> i'm not you know my doc i, I don't want to like Force feed anybody. I want them to want to go and listen to these people. Yeah, I I don't want to shame shame people, uh, uh, shock people, because um, it's easy to we can get that if we have an appetite for it or a tolerance for it. We can find out. You know, you know, like it's like Holocaust documentaries and films. I just got to a point where I don't want to watch anymore. I I don't want to go there right now again. Uh, it's too. It's become too painful. You know? so, so I don't want to cause a lot of pain here. I want people to be inspired, to want to work together, to do this amazing thing <laughs> for ourselves and our children and our grandchildren, our country and the world. By paying a debt that is so fucking long overdue.
2: Yeah.
0: You're a good as a, man. As a start. As a
3: start. Yeah. And, you know, free college education for everybody—that's got to come next. Universal basic income for everybody—that's got to follow.
0: Yeah. Right now, it's just like for all of Slow it. movement towards Amazon <laughs> Earth. How do we stop? How do we stop?
3: Yeah, yeah, right, right, <laughs> Like, the, like somebody goes to like Saturn and embraces the Amazon flag and says Oh shit! Stakes it in the, plants it in the ground. <laughs> or, 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 or Alibaba, Chinese, the Chinese yeah. Amazon. <laughs> that's yeah. what that will come first. <laughs>
0: It is. It has been this weird thing where like corporations have more power than governments and like, what are we doing? And I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy to look at technology and think like, is this just a breeding of like trying to like separate humans from technology at some point and make humans obsolete. And we have to keep telling stories and finding ways to, to rediscover unconditional love and truth within each other, or we're all just going to fade into more separation and hate and, it's uh it's in the way we look at each other. It's in the way that we greet each other, it's in the way that we wake up and look each other in the eyes and say, you know what, I love you and I appreciate your creativity and I appreciate what you're doing today. And how can we make today one percent better than it was yesterday?
3: Maybe that's the maybe that's one of the big answers, Heath, because wherever I go, you know, I, I, I carry the five keys with me, you know, to hand out everywhere I go. Right. But I also carry along the, the Aikido triad call it, which is wherever you are, let's say you're checking out of a grocery store in Whole Foods, wherever you are, whoever you're with, um, feel where you are and who you're with, Uh, blend or harmonize with where you are or who you're with, and leave something with where you are or who you're with, those three things, and the moment that gets, that is born the moment that is born and grows while you're doing this can be just extraordinary and amazing. I've had incredible moments with people just because I, I do those three things.
0: But the Aikido thing that was that, was that a George Leonard? Like,
3: uh, no, he, this, this comes from my uh, raptitude, David Kane, who's a Canadian, uh, a Canadian who has this wonderful blog called Raptitude. raptitude. And it, uh, and He's an Aikido uh, practitioner too, so I read it on his book. It came from somebody else, but it's the three. It's the it's the essence of Aikido: feel where you are, harmonize with where you are, blend with where you are, and leave something with where you are. Like
0: I like that. Why the
3: attacker's knife? Yeah. Put them down gently. Yeah. Protecting them, right?
0: Oh. You're always blasting my head full of wisdom, Dave. You know, the, the five keys to mastery, I'm going to go over those really quick because it's something that I don't think anyone in my current audience has heard me uh, recite in a while. And it's something that drastically helped change my life. Uh, there was a lot of buildup. Like you're talking about doing these interviews for the reparations, but anyone listening, if you've heard the pre-roll, you heard me talk about Dave. And in his past with interviewing greats and like really asking incredible questions and being able to pull out the, the pieces from people like BB King or Carlos Santana or Stephen. Well,
3: the most of the interviews.
0: Yeah, he, he, well, I think I saw her behind you earlier, by the way. And I tell her I said oh, hello. If you see her. Yeah. I, I was, It looked. It looked like it could have been. Um, but like surrendering to your passion, right? Has that was a catalyst for me early on. That was like the first key to mastery is surrendering to your passion. And I'm wandering around like, Oh, maybe this whole time I haven't been able to figure out anything that makes me happy because I haven't actually surrendered or let go of anything else. And now my passion is here and I, and I'm looking at it. And then you go into the second key, which is practice, practice, practice. Before
3: you leave the first one, I changed the name of the first
0: one. Did you, what is it now?
3: Answer your calling.
0: Ah, Nice. I like, I mean, I like them both, but Susan, that's... Came
3: up, Susan came up with the answer. You're calling thing. So, but you do
0: have to pick up so the you, phone,
3: right? You have to pick, you have to pick it up. To, <laughs> and, oh, I, I also, uh, redefine five keys with three syllables each. Which oh, yeah? is take the call, um, get a guide, uh, do the reps, see it now, play the edge.
0: Hold on get, i'm getting these get take the call get a guide
3: see the, do the reps which is practice okay and uh and uh play the edge which is the same
0: what was get the it, visualize it. the out outcome uh, one
3: see it now visualize the outcome but visualize it in the present like this is not something i want this is something that is yeah 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 we're, we're it's a done deal. That was
0: another huge thing. You were the one that taught me to write the present tense on my vision board of like my book or my yeah. vein with
3: like my distributor. And that's how I got my distributor for them.
0: Yeah. And, and I've taught that to so many people and it's very effective watching it work for other people as well. But I had a huge resolution recently because back then when I was talking to you in like 2014 or 15 or whatever it was, I had a dream of of building out a van and living in it and I put it on my vision board and I put my van you know like creative floating office last year that came to reality and now I live in my van and I, you know I'm traveling and I, and I want to figure out ways for me to be able to explore stories and like how do I tell stories on the road meeting people in strange places and like I, I really do think that learning the skill set of videography is something that I, I just it, it's showing up more and more for me and I don't I have a lot of resistance because I don't know much about it um yeah, but it's,
3: a, our, it's our language it's like it's it's gone from the skill it's gone from like medium that just a few people know how to do well to our language yeah like communicating with images voice yeah But here's the thing that's important to me to know about the five keys that you can hopefully pass along to people is there's a lot of big mysteries in life, right, to solve. This is one mystery that we don't have to worry about. The five keys, uh, it it it, you, you know how to become successful at something you know how to accomplish something, you know how to succeed um, by practicing the five keys. So there's a clarity that comes from, a clarity and a calmness that comes from not being confused about like, how do I succeed in life? You, know, you don't need to worry about that anymore, you know how to succeed. Just a matter of doing the work, right? And, and knowing the, the keys. Uh, there's a clarity and a calmness that comes f- from this that is sublime.
0: It's like unchunking this giant vision. It's like it, it does kind of chisel a clear vision and relieves stress and resistance and helps you rip off your procrastination diaper and run bare more ass through twice. the woods.
3: He's more than two times, maybe three times, but no, two times for sure because it, it created the scene. Uh, I gave this card that I give out that has five keys on it. Twice people have burst into tears when they saw the card. And it's the same reason I burst into tears when I heard Joseph Campbell uh, say this. That, you know, like, Not Joseph Campbell, but I mean, Joseph Campbell said key number one. And I burst into tears when I heard that because uh, I knew growing up as a child, we know, we live, we live following our passion, surrendering, that's the way we live. Um, but no one had ever said into words that this is why it is, how it works. Um, so when I heard Joseph Campbell say, when you follow your bliss, that thing that truly electrifies you, four things automatically happen. Number one, you put yourself in the path of good luck. Number two, you meet the people you want to know. Number three, doors open where there weren't doors before. And number four, <laughs> doors open for you that wouldn't open. Yeah.
2: It's a close Only, well, one for me. I've said that
3: before in words, but we all know that that's true because as children, we live it. We live it. And then society, like <laughs> – uh, channels it, channels us somewhere else, you know, get a job, make a living, get married, get the program going, you know, get the house, the kids. Reproduce
0: yourself, make a clone. Pay your tax.
3: Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: I put that Joseph Campbell saying that you taught me in the, the, uh, it was basically the ending of the introduction of the journal that I made in 2017. And, Thousands of people have used that and had so many reach out about that. It's just such a powerful four lines. It's just like lean into mystery, right? Explore the unknown, rip off your pants and run into the creative woods and spew your creativities everywhere. Like there's nothing magical that will happen if you sit in routine and stare at your television with your hands down your pants everything possible is kind of on the other side of that comfort zone. And it's just, it is a very stress relieving, calm, uh, comforting type of passage.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Dave, I i could talk We're to you for room, a long
2: time.
3: We have a blackboard at our front door, it just sits at our front door. And Susan wrote, be uh, in the moment. On the blackboard and i erased in so it just says be the moment and then i got the <laughs> yesterday uh, get rid of be and put make <laughs> make the moment
2: oh, no. <laughs> my,
3: my current little philosophy make the moment
0: i'm writing i'm right i like that
3: because that's what you're doing when you're you're creating this little moment with somebody that's checking you out of a supermarket, you're making a moment together. And lots of times they jump in, man, and it goes all these fun, fun directions.
0: You know, there is one of the cards in the new deck that I'm putting out, um, this this sweet ass affirmations too.
2: Oh, good.
0: There's a, you should have one on the way to you. I sent you a promo. If you put, I think you sent me your address already, right? Asked it. Yeah. Um, If not, I'll double check, but I'm pretty sure. So there's a card in there. This is something I've been using because, you know, apologies generally create a, a negative energy. And so instead of saying, I'm sorry, in all these weird situations you get in or like so you do something and like, there's just this big thing that people have created over time to be like, oh, I'm sorry. But then usually the person receiving the the sorry doesn't want you to be sorry. So then they start feeling weird. They're like, no, it's okay. And it's like, it's just this negative oh, feeling. No, don't
3: say you're sorry. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I started mm-hmm. uh, replacing as a sort of a meditation like over the last couple of years, instead of saying sorry, I say surprise. And so like, you, you know, you blast into someone and knock their drink out of their hand, surprise. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you if you really truly are deeply apologetic for something, then like maybe then you can use, sorry, like in, a, in an apology, but for everything else, it's just like surprise. It It's like a confusing response. Usually like, oh, like, oh, it's kind of fun. It's uplifting. And even if someone had their drink knocked out of their hand, they're just like, Oh, you're right. Surprise. Like it's not, and it's been awesome, man. It's been like this cool practice to like implement.
3: Well, you knock the drink out of the hand. And and when you say surprise, it's like you did it on purpose.
0: (laughs) Well, maybe that's not the greatest example, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, everything is a surprise, right?
3: Yeah. I see. I I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. I like it.
0: Don't run around like whacking people's drinks out of their hand and then saying surprise. But you know, I think it's pretty apparent when things are accidents or not. I
3: do that naturally. I do <laughs> that naturally without trying.
0: <laughs> uh, Dave, I gotta, I gotta roll off here because I have something coming up soon. But uh,
3: this was a great summit. This was a great summit meeting again. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Are you're Even in Dave, Oakland still? Are you in Oakland? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Nice. Yeah, we just got back from a little driving tour around California, which was great. Uh, uh,
0: I might swing through and see you soon, my van.
3: Oh, please do. Yeah, you can sleep here.
0: Keep me updated on the progress. Hey. <laughs> I can. I'm yeah, getting a little bit of delay. Our is open
3: now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah know. me too. Don't know
0: why. Um, but. I'm going to cut the video. Uh, Can you know how to turn your video off?
3: Yeah, you want me to turn it off?
0: Yeah, just for just to finish this out, and maybe it'll cut the latency. Um, when when do you plan on? I, I guess keep me updated on the on the progress of this documentary and and. Uh, you know, if there's anything yeah, I'm I can, getting the
3: project description so that I can apply for some grant money
0: i I'm very interested in if there's any way that I can be a part of it or help um obviously would love to parallel next to you and something like that and it, I guess keep me updated on on yeah any of that so I can share it as well um
3: yeah sort of like uh join me uh like a board of directors you know consultants a board of consultants at least
0: yeah um, I also want to see your hotel, Macedonia.
3: Yes, thank you. I'd love to, to show it to you. <laughs>
0: I'll send you the little, it, it's it's not like pro Dave style, you know, inside San Quentin documentary, uh, hot madness, but there was a, a documentary that a woman came to the school in Africa that I work with and filmed. And, and it's just a couple of the, Uh, it's about a little, I think it's a little over an hour, but it's a couple of the, some of the stories of the teachers there, especially Ronnie, it's so powerful, but, um, I don't know. I think, I think you might enjoy sort of watching it and,
3: uh, I will please give me a chance to do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'll send that to you. Okay. Dave, I will blast this over to you when it goes live. It won't be too long and um these yeah, are video
3: or audio heath
0: i recorded both but the podcast is just audio okay but i could give you video if you wanted it for any reason i'd like to
3: have it just you know family archive uh, for my daughter so I'm, yeah that'd be cool i'd be grateful for a link to that
0: and in uh closing i guess i'll see you in the diamond world
3: you know <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yes <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'm going to be like a warrior standing guard out of Amazon
2: off of that planet. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a scary thing. And did you, are you just the last thing? I remember when I was like, whoa. Last time I was pulling up the five keys to mastery on YouTube, it had you decent, like, this is one of those documentaries, Dave. I feel like it should have, like, 5 million views minimum. Yeah. You know, and and I know that the filmrise documentaries listed it and it had about seventy thousand views or whatever, but oh I wanna I wanna I I don't know if there was another place you had it listed, but <laughs> there's gotta be some way to like get this thing picked up and reshare because it's it's also evergreen content. It's like the principles do not change and it's so important now that more than ever, you know.
3: Thank you, Heath. I agree with you. Um Yeah.
0: Ah just going through the comments that people left on the YouTube that does have it listed. It's like, Ooh, but Dave, thank you so much. Should we do another one? (laughs) I, I, I love all things creative and I think, uh, you know, doing video interviews would be another step that comes when I start learning how to do video. I I just, I want to, I want to get into the power of video and I think that is a big opportunity and yeah, I think you sh- you focus on reparations and remastering your Macedonia documentary and and yeah, let's let's do some interviews too.
3: <laughs> let's start another well, the original, one. Why not? the original title of Hotel Macedonia was imagine somebody signing a letter, fuck you, comma Macedonia. That was the original title, but uh, Susan and one of my oldest friends talked me out of that, and I huh? regret to this day being, uh, allowing myself to be talked on that because it was the perfect
2: title. <laughs> that is such a good title.
0: I haven't seen it, but I imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was the, yeah. the 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 Inside San Quentin one? Life Without, was that the original name for that? Life Without, yeah, the Outlaw that, version. That's still, I don't know if the Outlaw version is up, but um, is that yeah, still it's, live? It's yeah, yeah, Life
3: Without. I'll,
0: I'm going to link all these, the ones that I can find on... Um, the show note page for this interview. So, cool.
3: The only A- difference between San Quentin today and ni- and 1974 is San Quentin is louder today. That's the only difference. Oh. Uh,
0: is the so I found one inside San Quentin that's 150 thousand views. You yeah, that's that- not it. that's
3: that's my partner's uh, version, which is crap.
0: Yeah. Uh, hmm i'll just have to like look to try to find the other one i'm not seeing it i'll
3: i'll send you a link
0: okay cool dave where can anyone get a, get in touch with you if they if they want to reach out and help um, you dave
3: and dave and co at gmail.com as if you're writing dave and company dave and co at gmail.
0: Awesome. My friend, stay wise, stay cheery. My
3: friend, go joyfully into the horrors of the world.
1: There's a place called space and it's got the magic. There's a place called space and it's got the balls. There's a place called space and it's got the passion. There's a place called space where we can smash the walls. There's a place called space where we'll face fuck conformity and the chatter of incompetence and slaughtered at birth. In this place called space we'll build a factory of smiles that will assemble with our minds and sell to Earth.
2: Well, hello, toots. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Never Stop Peeing. I mean, Peeking. I don't know why I was thinking about peeing because, well, mm, I'm not so sure. Mm, I'm not so sure I, I know why I was talking about peeing. But anyway, thank you so much for listening to Never Stop Peeking. Um, this show is not about boners or doing drugs or any sort of scandalous, kinky stuff that I might get into on the weekends or Tuesday mornings or at the local golf club every Wednesday afternoon after the sauna down by the, the lake where the rubber ducky swim. Um, but this is about how to continue to optimize your mind your body your brain and to be creative so heath is very happy that you were able to join him today you can check out all of his stuff at heatharmstrong.com you can check out all the podcasts at heatharmstrong.com forward slash podcast um at heath Fist Pumps on instagram not to be confused with at heath Fists. Uh, it's another account that well you know we don't have to get into all that messy stuff right now but Yeah, stay tuned for the launch of the Sweet Ass Affirmations 2 deck. That'll be at ragecreate.com forward slash kickstarter. And until next time, ta-ta (laughs) toots.